And the parsha starts out by Yidaber Elokim El Moshe by Yemer Elav Ani Hashem. Elokim spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he says to him, "I am Hashem." Notice the change from Elokim to Hashem. Va'era El Avram El Yitzchak Ve'El Yaakov Bekel Shaddai Shakai Ushmi Hashem Lo Inaydati Lohem. I appeared, says Hashem, to Avram, to Yitzchak, to Yaakov, and Kel Shakai in a manner of Kelshakai, that was the Mohus that I presented myself to them, Ushmi Hashem, but the name of Hashem I never informed them of. So, if you look in the Balaturim here, he says a very interesting thing. He says on the words, Va'era el Avram, Va'era el Avram, he says, Esafi Tevais Elim. Aleph Lamed Mem, Va'era El Avram. So he says that Sha'asu Atzmam Ilmim. The Maila of the Avis were that they made themselves into mutes. An Elam is a mute. They made themselves as if they weren't able to speak a word. They were never Maharer after my Midas. They never questioned me. The beauty of the Aves was that whatever came upon them, never once were they Mahara after Midas. They never questioned me. They were Makabo, whatever I said, and they were happy to do my Ratsan, and they never had any Hirhurim, and any, they were not cynical or skeptical or wondering about my plan, about my, my Anhagas. They accepted everything like Ilmim, like an Elam. Now what's Rashi referring, what's the Balaturim referring to? So the Pashta says that he's referring to the end of last week's Parsha. The end of last week's Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu is Maharer after the Midas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. At the end of last week's Parsha, after Moshe goes on his Shlichas to Parai and it blows up in his face and Klai Yisrael ends up suffering more Klai Yisrael is made to work harder as a result. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was questioned by Moshe Rabbeinu. Lama Hareyaisa, Lama Hazeh, Lama Zeshlachani, why are you making it so bad for this nation? And why did you send me? Umeaz, Basi El Pare Ladav B'Shemecha, and from the time, from back then, all the way at the first leg of my mission to go, and to represent Klal Yisrael to Parai, Heir al got worse. You made it worse for the people. And he didn't save them. Nothing happened. It got worse, if anything. And then Hashem said to Moshe, Now you'll see what I'll do to Parai, to Mitzrayim. They're going to get their come up in soon. But we see that Moshe Rabbeinu did have a taina. He was Maharer after the Midas of HaKadosh Baruch. We couldn't understand why it would be that I'm sent to Parai, I'm trying to do my mission, Klai Yisrael are good people, and instead of it getting better, the situation is just getting worse and deteriorating. He was being Maharer, Acher, Midaisov. If you look at Rashi... Rashi says on that last passage of Atasira, he says as follows, You, Maishra Abenu, you were Mahara after my Midas. You're questioning me. 
Like Avram, Shamarti Lai, Kivi Yitzchak Ikari Lechazara. Not like Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu, he could have been Maharacha Midaisai. I did something that was really very, very questionable to him. I told him, I got him all excited. I gave him Yitzchak and Yitzchak Ikari Lechazara. That's your destiny, that's your legacy, that's your, your, your future is all dependent on Yitzchak. And then I come the next day and I say, oh, by the way, you're going to sacrifice him as an Ayla. You're going to kill him. So that would be something that would make a person scratch their head and start questioning the Ashkacha of the Rabbi Nishraelam. But Avraham Avinu never said, boo, he did exactly what I wanted. He was not Mahar Achimidaisai. So that's Pasha's what the Balaturim is going on. The Balaturim at the beginning of this week's Pasha when he says, Va'erel Avram, Safi Tevis Elaim, they weren't Maharachami Daisai, it's a direct result. Hakadishfarku is addressing this point that he did at the end of last week's Pasha. After Sir, you're gonna see what I'm gonna do because you were Maharar Achami Daisai, not like Avram, so you're going Rashi there continues exactly how Maishabin is gonna get punished for this, he's not gonna to get to see uh, Eretz Yisrael, ultimately. But this is Pashtus, what the Taina against Meshur Abenu is, how the Pasha begins. You're not like the obvious Meshur Abenu. You were not able to withstand the test of questioning me. Not like the obvious Avram Avinu, he had the ultimate test. I told him, and then I was an Indian giver. I took it right back and he didn't say anything. Now I had a aura on this whole Mahalach, on this whole Rashi, from a Gemara in Sanhedrin. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Daf Kuf Yud Aleph Amin Aleph. And Rashi really, even here, in this week's, week's parsha, sort of brings it partially. The Gemara says as follows. On the Pasuk, the Gemara there is dash in the Pasuk of, at the end of last week's parasha, Umeaz, Bossi el Para, Eladabu Bishmecha, Heral Amazer, Omar Leakadish Parfu. Hakadish Parfu says to Meshur Abeno, Chaval al Da'avdin Veloy Mishtachin. Woe is for the fact that there are people that die, that they, they're lost, they're no longer here, Veloy Mishtachin, no replacement could be found for them. Rashi brings part of this Gemara. He borrows part of this, uh, no, so he doesn't bring the entire Gemara in this week's parasha, in Perak, in, 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 at the beginning in Perak, in Pasuk Tess. He says, Avram Avino never questioned me. In what context did he was never Maharar? Amarti Avram, I told Avram, Kum Go walk the land of Eretz Yisrael. It's wet, it's width, and it's and it's depth, and it's length. Every walk the entire expanse of Eretz Yisrael. Kilachatinana, because I will give it to you. It's all yours. And then what happened? Bikesh Likvar Esara Matzah. He wanted to bury his wife. He owned the whole Eretz Yisrael. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, it's all yours. He wanted to go bury his wife to find a little burial plot. And he wasn't able to He had to come across with 400 silver dollars in order to get, procure that land of the Marasim Mar- from Ephraim. He had no taina against me. And then it goes through how Yitzchak also was promised the whole land and he had to fight for a little water with the Roy Grar. Yaakov Avino wanted to pitch his tent and he couldn't find a place with, in Shechem until he actually bought it with Meitzita. Brings different sukkim to Gemara and Sanhedrin as sources that the others were never Maharachar Midaisa. And Rashi brings this in part. Now, Lachaira, these two Chazalim, the Rashi at the end of last week's parasha, and this Gemara and Sanhedrin, which is brought in Rashi in this week's parasha in part, seems to be redundant at best and perhaps even sicer each other. Because if you have a taina, if Avraham Avinu could have tainan, which Rashi brings in last week's parasha, about the Akedah, I have a son. You said that, and now you're telling me to shaft my son on the Akedah. That's the ultimate Nisayan. If you stop and think about it, there is no greater Nisayan than that. I mean, whatever you want to say, I don't know how many of you have children, not too many looking around the room, some do. If you know what it is to have a son, and then to be promised that the son is it. I don't have ten sons, I have one son. And him, I should be mocker of now on the Mizbeach. The Rabbi Yisrael is telling me, Shech your son has an oil on the Mizbeach. You know, I could have a lot of, you know, answers, why not? And how it's a stirrup, and it doesn't make sense, and I don't want to, it's inhumane, it's not chesed, it's against everything that I stand for. Avraham Avinu could have said a lot of things to the Rabbi Yisrael, but he made himself like an Elaine. He was quiet, he was a mute, he didn't say a word. He says, if that's what the Rabbi Yisrael says, then Hineni, I'm going to do it. That is the ultimate Nisayan. That's the ultimate Lahira Achrimi Daisai. And that's enough for me. Why does the Gemara and Sanhedrin have to bring a whole other thing about other types of ways that the others could have been Maharer because they were promised Eretz Yisrael? And now when it comes to shelling out some money for Marasana Pewa, they didn't say boo when they had to, you know, buy and find uh, an apartment to rent, you have to actually pay some rent. Uh, you know, that might be a taina. It might be like something that, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it's bothersome. But at the end of the day, why is that such a big deal? That's what you're after me, Daisa, you have a, a exhibit A, Akedas Yitzchak, the others were, Quiet, they were ill men, not only Avram, Yitzhak also. That is what Yerachim Midai said. That's a Milo being an Elaine. So you have to bring me like an exhibit B after that, that some, I, I was promised, Eretz Yisrael, I don't know if he was promised it right now. Ultimately, when Kal Yisrael goes and captures Eretz Yisrael, it's yours. So it's such a big deal that Avram Avinu had to spend 400 Avram Meir Shekel Kessel to buy him up and forth. Yeah, that, that's the way it works. That's the way real estate works. You want to buy a piece of land, you got to pay for it. It's going to be promised to me someday. We'll worry about it then. But right now, I got to buy it. Why, why is that such a big deal? Like here, after me, say, let's say it's even Abraham Avinus today, and Ephraim wanted to sell it to him for Abraham. So he pays Abraham. That's such a thing that you have to be Mahara after me, say, it's such a wow. He's an Elam. He didn't say anything. 
He found a piece of real estate. The guy wanted 400 cash that for it, and he didn't, he didn't tie it to me anything. Is that really such a big hereafter? He does say, is that such a maila that, ooh, he's an Elaine? You have the Akedas Yitzchak. Why do you need the Gemara in Sanhedrin? And Rashi brings the Gemara in Sanhedrin in part, even though he knew, obviously, he quoted the other Chazal about the Lahirachar Midaise when it comes to the Akedas Yitzchak. This is what bothered me. And I think we could derive an important lesson from trying to miyashev um, this question. See, there are different ways that a, a person in life suffers. When things bad happen to us as individuals, it basically, there might be more, but the main, the primary categories that things happen to us as individuals are two. Either there are things that happen to me that no one else is involved with. I can't blame any other human being. The only person I could blame, the only being that I could blame is the Rabbi Nishayim. Lamashal. A person gets sick, Rayalino. I can't blame anybody. I mean, if I, you know, obviously if there's somebody in the house that has a cold, I could blame them. We're talking about a real sickness, Rayalino. A person is deathly ill. There's no one to blame but myself. And blame the Rabbi Nishalayim, Khalilo. A person, let's say, has a financial mishap. There's no one to blame. Nobody stole money from me. I wasn't duped. I wasn't involved in a Ponzi scheme. It was just I invested in a stock and the stock went down. It's not anybody's fault. It's my fault. I could be angry at the Rabbi Nishalayim. There's no one else to be angry with. If a person... A lot of examples of these types of man-made, uh, of, of, of acts of God, let's call it. If a person is in, you know, has a house on the beach and, he, and, and, and Hurricane Sandy hits, there's no one to blame. The Rabbi Islam sent a hurricane and it, it, it destroyed the house, destroyed property. Who can I blame but the Rabbi Islam? There's nothing, there's no one really that I could blame. It's just between me and the Rabbi Islam. That's one sug of sorrow. There's another type of sorrow, and that is a sorrow that comes through individuals. Sometimes, many times, we suffer, and we suffer at the hands of other people. People irritate us, maybe we'll get fired from a job, maybe somebody hurts us physically, somebody abuses us, somebody does things to us, and we suffer for it. But it's a human type of suffering. It's not at the hands directly of Hashem. It's through another human being that we're, that we're, 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 we're suffering. That's another type of, of suffering. And many times the other human being gains from my loss. If they steal money from me, if they're able to dupe me in any which way, if they abuse me and they get covered for it, and it's upsetting, that's very, very upsetting as well. That's also from the Rabbi Yisholem in a certain way. This is what the Mepharshim speak. If you want to see a Maramakim for a look in the Chinuch on the Mitzvah of Nekamah, on the Lav of Nekamah, he says that basically everything is from the Rabbi Yisholem. And when somebody does something bad to you, you want to take revenge against him first, First, understand where it comes from. It doesn't come from him. It doesn't happen by accident. Even when people stare us, when people bother us, when people take from us, when people are really cruel to us, it's also from the Rabbi Nishalim. 
But there's an inherent difference when these two things happen. There's a story that took place in the times of Rabbi Saul Salanter. There Rabbi Saul Salanter made observations. He was obviously one of the greatest Muslim personalities in the history of the world. And he was very, very observant. Whenever things happened, he used it as a tool to understand human, the human condition and to get more insight into Midas and into Hanhaga. There was a certain individual that went to his Rav and he asked him to pass in on a certain animal that he had. He was a very expensive animal. You know, animals are, are quite costly. If you have a, a cow, a cow is not $10. A cow could be a few thousand dollars. And he goes to the Rav and he says, I shafted the cow and this is the lung and it looks a little bit ruptured and please pass in for me whether or not it's kosher or treif. The Rav inspects it and he says it's treif. You have to throw the whole cow out and that's it, you can't, you can't eat it. So this person got very happy. The person who owned the cow started dancing, he was besimcha, he goes and gives the Rav a big kiss. And he says, thank you very much, Baruch Hashem, I wasn't nichshol in Navera, I didn't have to eat tarfus, and I appreciate your psaki, you shouldn't feel bad at all, everything is great, I'm happy to be makabal the rucks in Hashem, and I'm happy never to have eaten tarfus in my life. A few days later, the same individual goes to the same rug for his entire against another person. And it was for a $50 item. It was entire for $50. I did loan it. I didn't loan it. The Rav listens to the case, both sides. And he tells both of them that Ruvain, who was the one that owned the cow, who happened, he owes Shimon $50. You know what Ruvain's reaction was? Instead of running over to the Rav and kissing him, he starts screaming in the middle of Bestin. The Rav is an Amaretz. The Rav probably took Shaykhad. The Rav doesn't know what he's talking about. Terrible rabbi. Awful. I'm never going to daven in your shul again. He makes a whole big ruckus. And everybody starts, you know, tumbling. It's chaos. And this story, like, broke. Everybody was talking about it. And nobody can understand the difference between the two Gintyrists. How come when he lost a few thousand dollar cow, he wasn't screaming at Maritz, he was kissing the rub, he was saying, you're amazing. But when he loses a $50 in Tyra to, to Shimon, then he starts losing, he goes postal on the rub. What, what happened? And Rizal Salante says it's very simple. It's not shocking. He says, a person doesn't mind losing money, suffering, if he could attribute it to the Rabbi Nishlaim. If it's the Rabbeinu Shalom's cheshven, if this is what the Rav Haskins, and if they knew, they need. Between myself and myself, it's my loss, the cow is traced, I can deal with it. Fine. But when I have to take my $50 and Shimon gets my $50, that's unconscionable. I don't mind losing to the Rabbeinu Shalom $1,000, $10,000, fine but that I should give my money to you, that I can't do. That's something that bothers me. There's a major difference between Ben Adam and Makim 
A person, when it comes to other people, I don't want to suffer by you. I don't want to lose money to you. I don't want you to get enjoyment from my loss. I could, I could deal with it with everybody. I can't deal with it with you. I remember I was in Shir by Shlomo and we were learning Makkis, and there was a, a question that the Urayim has on the whole sugya on the Gemara. The Gemara in Makkis says that, you know, not to get too into it, but there's a whole sugya, Avi, the whole parak is talking about Adam Zaymimim, whole first parak. And the halacha is very quickly that if there are Adam Zaymimim that, uh, that, that say that Ruvain owes Shimon $100, and then they're found to be Zaymimim, they're found that they were liars, they were proven by a Mazimim, another set of Adim, that it was impossible that they could have seen Ruben lend the money to Shim because they were together with other Adim, you know, in a different location at the time. So the Torah says, Vasisim Laikashir Zaman, Lassus you have to do to them, to the Adim Zaymim, whatever they wanted to do to Ruben, that's what you got to do to them, meaning they have to pay money. If they want, if Ruve, they wanted to be Mafsid Ruve in a hundred dollars because they claimed lyingly that Ruve paid Shim, owed, owed Shim a hundred dollars, now we have to give Ruve a hundred dollars. So the Urayim asks, and, and who does it go to? It goes to Ruve. In fact, the Urayim, how do you know that? Where does it say that in the Torah that it goes to Ruve? Maybe give it to Hektish. Why can't the Adam Zaymim fund? They have to lose $100 together? Okay, let them go and, and, you know, make a donation to chickens for Shabbos for $100, and they'll lose $100. And give the schar, let's say, to, you know, to Reuven. Why does it have to go to Reuven? Where does it say that? That's the Urayim's kasha. And the, all the Mepharshim start scrambling to try to figure out where exactly this is, what's Saka the Makar for this? And they bring Rias, there's a Rashi in, in Chumash that seems to say that it comes from the Russian and the Pasuk by the Eden Zaymim. But Rav Zalman says, and he, he set out this case with the Rizal Salanter, he says that this is the way it has to be. If there's a halacha Pasher Zaman, that you got to do exactly to the Eden Zaymim, what they wanted to do to Ruvain, it has to be, it can't be any other way than to give the money, not some to Tzedakah, but to give it to, to Ruvain. Why? Because what did they want to do? They wanted to take Reuben's money and give it to Shimon. That's altogether different. If they said that Reuben owes money to Tzedakah, okay, that's one thing. They said that Reuben has to take his hard-earned money out of his wallet and put it in the wallet in the pocket of Shimon. That's very hurtful. For Reuben to have to give Yenim his money is very hurtful. Something for the Adam Zaymen, to the Makayim, the Dinah, Pastor Zalman, they have to take their money and give it to Reuben, their enemy. There are other, it has to go to another human being because that's the only way that you could really get a real true din of Pasha Zaman. That's the way human beings function. You can be Maharar Akar of much more sometimes when it comes to Ben Adam Lachaveray than Ben Adam And I was thinking that it could be that that's why HaKadosh Baruch had to tell Maishra Abena two tainas against him. Klapa the Abbas. First of all, the Abbas were never Maharar after my Midas Ben Adam Lamakin. The Akedas Yitzchak is a perfect example. I told Avram Avinu, this is your child, he is going to be your destiny. And then I take him away from you. I say you have to shaft him as an Ayla. That's a terrible, terrible Nisayan to have to go through. It's awful. 
But at the end of the day, Abraham Avinu can say to himself, listen, there's a God in the world, I believe in God, this is what God told me to do, and who am I to question him? When there's no human interference, it's very clear sometimes to see the Ashkacha and to be macabre the Ashkacha. Many people, you know, throughout the history of the world that weren't on Abraham Avinu's league, but things happen and you could deal with it. Because you could say, this is what the Rebbein Shalom wants, it's like Apara. But when a person suffers through another human being, when a person has to lose to another human being and actually have to pay another human being, then sometimes it gets in the way. You don't see the direct hashkacha from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's much harder sometimes then to not be maharacha midaisav. I, maharacha, I, I, I won't, I'll, I'll unquestionably accept when it's directly from the Rabbi Nisham. If something happens to me, if something happens to my family, if something happens to Rachman Hussan, to, you know, that's acceptable because I could see this is the Ratzin Abayre. But when somebody else is a human being that's sticking his hand in my pocket to get something from me, that's already, in a way, much harder to accept. And I get angry about that. And sometimes, even though I understand this from the Rabbi Nisham, I don't want it to be so. I can mahara sometimes much worse after me dice of when it's not an act of God than when it is. And so that's why the Medrash had to bring, the Gemara and Sanerah has to bring another layer of being an Elaine. And that is that even though I promised the others that our Yisrael was theirs, and then they had to go and take money of their own and give it to Ephraim and give it to Shem and give it to the Raya Grar and be able to have fights and issues and, and pay money to other people, and they still were not Mahara after me, Daisai, that shows a real level of not being an Elaine, of being an Elaine, rather. That shows how to truly be an Elaine, not only to accept acts of God directly, that's maybe less of a Chiddush, but rather more than that, even when it involves a financial loss to somebody else, I'm losing out to you, and I'm still accepting of it, that's a tremendous, tremendous myla that is not really seen by the act of God when I'm not maharach or midais of them. I think you see a similar idea when it comes to two gemaras. There are two gemaras that speak about two individuals. They happen to have been, one was a Rebbe and one was a Talmud, and so some of it sort of rubbed off on the other. But we'll see an inherent difference between the two individuals, the two personalities. There's a person by the name of Nachum Ishkamzu. Nachum Ishkamzu was a Tzadik Yisraelim. There are many Gemaras and Tainas which speak about Nachum. And what it says basically is that whatever happened to him, he said, There's another Gemara in Brachas that speaks about the Talmud of Nachamish Gamzu. He was a man by the name of Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva also had a similar shita in life. But instead of saying, that was patented by his Rabbi. He didn't want to use that Lashon. He made up, he coined his own Lashon. And he said, Call Da'avid Rachmana Latava Avid. Whatever God does is for the best. Very similar, right? It sounds similar. Gamzula Taiva. 
called David Rachman al but it's a Sarai. Rabbi Akiva is a Talmud of Nachmish Gamzu, so it makes sense that, you know, he followed in Shita. But the Mepharshim say that Nachum, for whatever question is about Shem Tavon, there's a lot of Taira about the difference between Nachum Ishkamzu and Rabbi Akiva. And basically the consensus is, as you might expect, that Nachum was the Rabbi of Rabbi Akiva, what he said was on a higher Madrega than what Rabbi Akiva said. And the question is how and why, what difference does it make? How do you see a difference between Gamzu Lataiva and Kaldavar Rahman Lataibabit? So what I wanted to suggest based on what we're saying today is as follows. The Gemara, speaking about Nachamish Gamzu, says a great story. Every kid, I think, loves this story. It's very cool. And it goes something like this. Nachamish Gamzu, there was a decree by the government against a certain Jewish community. The community sends Nachamish Gamzu as their emissary to ask the, the powers that be to, to rescind the decree. So they send him, and they send him with an argos, with a chest that was full of jewels and gold, just like you would picture a treasure chest looking. And he puts it on his animal, and he goes towards the king, and he stays in an inn overnight. And I guess there was no safe in the room, so he had to check it in at the security desk in the front of the inn. And the next morning he wakes up, and they say, we don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, you, you, you gave us something? Yeah, I gave you a chest that had about $10 million in it. Sorry, it's gone. So, but it wasn't really gone. The jewels in it were gone. They gave it back, and it was full of sand. And you know what Nachamish Gamzu says? It's Gamzu Taiba. It's Gamzu Taiba. It's fine. He goes and takes this chest, and he brings it to the king, and the king opens it up and says, what is this? He says, well... Selyan Navi comes and says, whispers in his ear, or tells the king, this isn't regular sand, this is sand that Abraham Avinu used to fight against the, his enemies, and when you throw this sand, it turns into missiles, and it's very powerful, and you're going to win in war. So, story goes that he basically took this, uh, this, this sand, the king, he tested it out, and sure enough, you know, it did amazing in war, and he rescinded the decree, and he sent him back with you know, two from Mukhailah's tremendous, you know, honor and 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 and, and wealth. And this Nachamish Gamzi comes back to the hotel and tells the story. And these two guys that stole it, you know, they're like beside themselves. And what they do is they say, Hey, that's our sand. We got that sand from our real estate over here. So what they did was they knocked down their hotel and they filled up all of the sand underneath their property and they shipped it to the king FedEx. And the king, like he said, this is all our sand. You're going to mamish, you know, this is great for the military and, you know, and we'd like, you know, millions of dollars for it. He said, fine, let's test it out. And he tested it out. It was just sand. It didn't work. And they killed these two guys. That's the story of Nachum Ishkamzu. The story of Rabbi Akiva is different. The story of Akiva is that Rabbi Akiva was always running away from the Romans. And he had a chicken and he had a candle, and he had a mule, and he was hiding somewhere, and he, the candle that he was using blew out, and he didn't have another match to relight it, and he says, called David Rahman al-Tababid, and then there was a, the rooster that he had died, called David Rahman al-Tababid, the mule that he had died, called David Rahman al-Tababid, next morning he found out that the Roman legions were surrounding that area, and had they seen the light, or had they 
you know, heard the rooster crow, or had they heard the donkey bray, they would have caught Rabbi Akiva and killed him. So he understood how it was called Abu Rahman al Those are the two stories, basically, that the Gemara brings. One is not Tamzul Taiba, one is called Abu Rahman al What's the difference? And I think that the answer is very simple. Rabbi Akiva said, called Abu Rahman al Whatever Hakrishparku does, called Abu Rahman who sent the wind to blow out my candle. I see that's a kapara, it's fashert. who made my rooster die. Nobody killed the rooster. The rooster died in its, uh, of natural causes. Called out Rahman al-Tab. The Rabbani Shalom did it, it's for the best. Uh, the, the, the donkey dies, called out Rahman al-Tab. That's easy, relatively speaking. Because there was no, no people came and shafted his donkey or blew out the candle. It was just acts of God. Acts of God, Rabbi Akiva pointed and said, Call Dal Rahmana, I see the Rabbi Yishlam did it, it's the top of it. For the best. Easy. Nachamish Gamzu is different. Nachamish Gamzu was a higher level of that. He said that when these two guys in the hotel stole all of the contents that he had been entrusted with. Human beings took millions of dollars from me. They stole it from me. They ransacked me. They're running off with a loot that I had. And I'm not Mahar Achami Daisav. That's Nachamish Gamzu. Even this is for the good. I see even when human beings are messing me over, that's also, I could see the Ad Hashem, I could accept that as a Kapara even then. What do you mean, Kapara? Kapara, you're being from about this guy that stole millions of dollars. How can you just be silent? Because Gamzula Taiva. I don't know why, but the Rabbi Yishlam has a cheshpen, and even though a human being is, is profiting from my loss, and you don't directly see the hand of Hashem, it's something that happens through human intervention, and human beings are really undermining me, taking something that's rightfully mine. And still to be able to say Gamzula Taiva, that's something which is a much higher madrega than what Rabbi Akiva did. You might want to be myself that Besaif Yamav on the last day of Rabbi Akiva's life, he was being tortured by the Romans. The Masreka Shal Barzal. They were combing his flesh with Barzal and with 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 combs of iron of steel. And he says, And the Talmudim says, Rabbi Atan, even now you're, you're, you're busy with Kriyashma, you're being Meisri Nefesh, even now. And he says, All of the days of my life, I was wondering, I was hoping that I'd be able to Mekayim this mitzvah. And now that I finally have the opportunity to be Mekayim it, I shouldn't do it. What is Rabbi Akiva saying exactly? What does he call Yamai? I mean, you know, Akiva was Maisei Nefesh many times. We see he's constantly Maisei Nefesh to learn Tyra, to teach Tyra, to do things for Kal Yisrael. Why, why now call Yamai Yisri Mitzdar? When will I get this opportunity to be Maisei Nefesh? Akiva's whole life was one of Mesiris Nefesh. I believe the answer might be that Rabbi Akiva mastered the Mesiris Nefesh when things were directly from the Rabbi Nisharim. When things happen as acts of God without human beings around, then Rabbi Akiva was able to be Nefesh with a full heart and say, Kol Dawud Rahman al But the bar that his Rebbe set 
was so high that it was almost unreachable. And it bothered Rabbi Akiva, who was mitzvah, that he was never able to reach Madrega to be an Elaine even in face of when human beings are taking something from me. And now the Romans, his bitter enemies that he was rebelling against, and that he was being chased by and being hounded by, they caught him. And they won. They're taking his life. I'm not dying, I'm on a deathbed in a hospital. The Romans are taking something from me. And this is something that is superhuman to say, even that. And now that I finally have the opportunity to do so, I'm going to do it. These are madregas that are really, you know, things that we could talk about, but it's very hard to, to really be able to grasp the madregas of our others. The madregas of being able to shaft your son. I know I'm oversimplifying it. I'm making it easier than it actually is. But I'm trying to express a thought of how sometimes when human beings are involved, it's much harder to forgive and forget. And it's much harder to understand that there's the Yad Hashem at play. And it's much harder not to be Mahar Daisa because how could you do this? How could HaKadosh Baruch allow that somebody take something from me, that somebody stabs me in the back financially or career or in learning or whatever it is? How could that happen? How could you allow that? I could accept a lot, but I can't accept that somebody is able to beat me and say, I'm not going to be Maharach and Midaisa. I don't like when somebody else wins. I'm a human being. I like being able to always be victorious. Unless the revenge runs the winner, I don't want to give it to somebody else. But that's the madrig of the Abbas that Meshra Abeno was told by the revenge Not only did the Abbas act with it as an Elam and were not Maharachamidaisa by the Akedah and by such Nisyainas that were only between me and the Abbas. But even when it came to being, to having to pay money to other people, then too was HaKadosh Parfo able to be accepted by them and that they were Mahar Achamidaisov. This is what Reb Simcha Zizel says on the Pshad in the second Pasuk in the Parsha. I'm sorry, in the first Pasuk in the Parsha. Says the switch that we alluded to at the beginning of the Shmuz today, that it starts off with the Lashon of Elikim and ends with the Lashon of Adnos, of Akadish Baruch of Mercy. Elikim is Din. Hashem is Mercy. You might think, when you're saying to me, you see me as a Lord of strict justice, of din, Hashem spoke to him as mishpat, says, you think that I am I'm being mean? You're being maharach midaisa, you will understand eventually that ani Hashem, that whatever I do is always for the good. There's always rachamim, even in the din. You don't see it now, but you will. You have to be patient sometimes. So many times we're so quick to say, God hates me. He's being so mean to me. How does he do this to me? He's elikim. He's not, there's no rachmanis with me. He likes everybody else, but he doesn't like me. And sometimes we have to just wait. HaKadosh Baruch is saying, you have to understand that whatever I do is really with a midas rachamim. 
Sometimes you have to go through a din and eventually see the rachamim, but it's still a rachamim. And that's a tremendous level of Kabbalah, Kabbalah of the Ratzin of Hashem, even when things look hard, when things are easy, things are nice, things are pleasant, then it's easier to Kabbalah the Ratzin Hashem. When things are challenging, and when things don't always go our way, and things are, you know, being usurped by others, and people are taking things from us, people are not being good to us, people are being downright mean, and we see like a challenge to who we are by others, even there you have to be able to makabel the Ratzin Hashem and see the, the Rachamim and wait, Kabel Hashem, give HaKadosh Baruch the ability to let it play out, but have Emunah B'Tachem that everything will be as is divinely planned. There's a part of the Beis HaLevi the Beis HaLevi says a Vard, and that, those Sukkim that we were saying at the end of last week's parasha, that Meish Rabbeinu was being Mahar Acher Midaisov, he used a Lashon of Ume Oz, Basi Al Paray, from the time from Oz, that I came to Paray, Medaber Bishmecha, it got worse and worse and worse. What in the world is going on? And the Medrash says, in Parshas B'Shalach, Omar Meisha, I was chayte, I sinned against her banishment. It's mahar achemidaisav with that word oz. May oz vasi al paray. And therefore, the word that I'm going to choose to start off my shira on the yam, when everything, when the gula starts, is oz. Ba'oz chatasi and ba'oz aniyaymer shira. I'm going to say shira with that very same word. I'm going to employ the word oz even when I'm singing shira. So the base lady says, I don't understand what the Medrash means. What, what does that mean? I was chaiteh with the Oz. I'm going to do, I'm going to sing shir with the Oz. What does that mean? So he says as follows. It's such a major insight. If you know one base lady, it should probably be this one. The base lady says that sometimes we go through a tzaru. Let's say when Masha or Rachman a person's deathly ill. Sometimes you see that. Sometimes, you know, there's a person that I know in this community he was mamish on his deathbed. He was, there was no chance that he was going to survive. And I see him by davening, you know, today, Baruch Hashem, he's putting on his film, he's walking, he's running to the train. He's, he's a regular person, you wouldn't even know it. The person mamish is a tchiyas hamesim in You see that he's, he was supposed to be dead, everybody counted him out. Today he's a living person. Happens. So let's say that person says, you know, he makes a big Kiddush in Shul, Baruch Hashem, he's feeling good. What's the Kiddush for, you ask him? So the Kiddush is for because I got better. So the Beis HaLevi says, what does that mean? You're making a Kiddush because you feel better. That means what you're basically saying is, I wish that the whole ordeal hadn't happened in the first place. I wish that I was healthy throughout my whole life. Says, okay, I got sick. Maybe I have some kindness about that. I missed work for you know a couple of months and had to put my family through the mill. But Baruch Hashem, we'll forget about that. All's well that ends well, and I'm making a kiddush because I got better. The base lady says if that's the case, then nothing was gained. You're basically saying you wish the whole thing hadn't happened. You're thanking the Rebbeinu that it, you got better, but you know the whole ordeal, you're Michael. He says that's not what you should be making a kiddush for. You should be making a kiddush for the fact that you went through the ordeal also. 
and that you were spared from it. Because definitely if a person is able to go through some crazy, crazy things in life, and then he lives to talk about it, he's much stronger than, than he was before he started. I once read a story that a, a woman wrote. She was a cancer survivor. And she said that, you know, somebody asked her, if you could do it all over again, would you? And she said, a thousand percent. Now that I'm healthy, I could say I would go through it all again. And she says, what was happening before I was sick, life was going as it goes for everybody. We're rushing, we're racing, we're doing, we're busy, we're this, we're that. And you don't stop to smell the roses. You don't appreciate anything. You don't appreciate a smile on your child's face. You don't appreciate heat in the winter and air conditioning in the summer. You take everything for granted like we all do. You know, you have food on the table, you're able to eat food. Everything is everything goes easy for us, so we don't appreciate anything. She says, now that I went through the tzara, and now that I survived the tzara, she says, I appreciate things so much more. The tzara was able to completely make me on a different level. I'm a human being now. I'm feeling, and I'm thinking, and I'm appreciating, and I'm thanking. I'm a different human being. The tzara... I have to give Shabbach for as well as the as well as the Yeshua. The Beis Olivi says that's the chant in the pasuk Oidecha Kiani Sani Yeshua, which simply means uh, the Arskol Halal definition is Oidecha Kiani Sani that I thank you because you answered me like a lashon of, of Ani. The Beis Olivi says no. He says Oidecha Kiani Sani I thank you because you are my enemy. Because you oppressed me, and you made me so aggravated, and you put me through such Gehenim, I give you thanks for that. And you also provided the Yeshua for me. But the Yeshua is not just merely a one-dimensional thank you that you saved me. I'm thanking you also. I'm thanking you for putting me through that challenge, because the challenge made me stronger. There's an expression, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I thank you for making me strong. You didn't kill me. You made me stronger through the process. So, Zatu Beis HaLevi, the Shira of Az Yashir, is not just the Shira that Meshach and Kali Yisrael sang for the Geula, because just for the Geula, I would say, listen, you know, God, I really wish you hadn't put us through 210 years of absolute sorrows. You know, we had to build Pism and Ramses and babies and this and that, you know, like that was all, but we'll let that go. All's well, it's fine. Az Yashir Meshach. No. Basically, it says the Shira, the Az Yashir, was also on the Tzara. I'm thanking you on the fact that when I was Chaita, I said, May Az Basi Al Parai. I was Chutzbudek. I said the word Az in a very disrespectful way. And I was Mahara Al I was telling you that you're wrong. You were, you're making it very bad for the Jews from then, May Az. I'm going to take that word Oz and I'm going to make it into a Shira. What I'm saying is Oz, I'm thanking you even for Me'oz Basiel Paray. Because now when I have the panorama of the whole sleep of history, I could see how Klai Yisrael Shtayim. We grew as a result of the Shiva Mitzrayim. We call it the Kura Barzel. We went through the melting pot, the smelting pot of, of, of all the Shiva and all the Chaymer, all the Levayim, all the Tsaris, all the Tfilah. All the za'aka that Klai Yisrael did, these were the birth pangs that made us into a nation as we exited, as we, as we exited Mitzrayim. The Oz is not just the Shira on the Geula, the Oz is the Shira even on the Tzara. And I think that's the chat, 
in the Beis HaLevi is what we're saying today that Moshe Rabbeinu at the time saw that it was Sadik Varalai, Russia Batayvlai, not just that it was bad for us, but the Egyptians, our enemies, are getting such pleasure in tormenting us and they're taking away all of our possessions from us and all the millions of dollars of income that we're supposed to be having, they're taking from us. They're getting free labor. We're building these, these, these metropolises for them and we're working and they're taking everything from us. Rosh Rabbeinu couldn't understand that. But now, at the end, Kali Yisrael leaves Mitzrayim and he sees all that we gained as a result and all the money that we're able to take out of Mitzrayim. Everything really just sort of made itself better. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you have to have trust in me. Ani Hashem. You think of me as Elikim now, but I'm not really Elikim, I'm Hashem. And you have to understand that even when there is a din, there's a Rachamim. There's always that sweetness to me that you might not see immediately, but you will if you're patient. Give you an example using the Beis Halevi himself of such a, such a story. There's thousands of such stories, and I'm sure we all have them in our personal lives, how you know, things that seemed bad and seemed terrible really turned out to be a Yeshua. The Beis Halevi had a grandfather anyone ever wonder, like, the Soloveitchiks, uh, how did it happen? You know, think about it. It's amazing. I mean, you know, we, we take it for granted, and if you know a little bit about, you know, the history of this great legacy, you have the Beis Halevi. Beis Halevi was a Gadol Adar. He's the Rav of Brisk. He was the Rav of Slutsk. He was a tremendous, tremendous Gadol Adar. You know, we, we know some Chumash Torah from him, but he has Shailos Achuvas, and he was a, the Veltzgayim, the Beis HaLevi. And he had a son, Reb Chaim Brister, who the whole Eilam Yeshivas is built upon. All the shiurim in the world, from every yeshiva come out in the world, is built on the lumbus of Reb Chaim. Nothing else. The yeshiva, the Reb Chaim saved the entire Tyre and Kali He had a son, by the name of the Briskarov. The Briskarov was himself the God Ladar. Maran Agriz. The whole yeshiva world trembles when they hear the word Maran Agriz. His Torah is like priceless. You hear a brisker rub, a brisker rub is like a priceless tickle Torah. Everything that he says is perfect. And then he had his own sons, who are, who are the Ribeiro, and many, and other, other sons who are maybe less well known, but also great, each one in their own right. And the Chahena, the Chahena, today, Brisk is like Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. It's the Harvard of Yeshivas. You have to like, you know, sell everything that you have in order to get your kid into Brisk. And then some. Rambay, Rebbe Yeshua, Salavei also of El Tamachachem. Do you think this is coincidental? Do you think it's just a coincidence that, you know, just happened to have a family? They have good genes, we'll chalk it up to, you know, genetics. That every single dar from the base, I'll lay on down, has G'dayle Eilam coming from this lineage of the Salavachics. It's a pepper. If you stop and think about it for one minute, that any of these individuals that I see, now sometimes, you know, a father is a CEO of a company, and then the son becomes a CEO, everybody's a Yishkaya, big deal, you know, he's a CEO of a company. Of course, he moved right into his father's seat, and he's the CEO, and his son will be the CEO after that, and grandson after that. Not a big, uh, not a big thing. To be a gobble, it doesn't work that way. 
to be a gadol, you have to be a tamil chacham mubak. Any of these people, the Beis Halevi, the Chaim, the Biskarov, Rebero, you know, the Chaina, the Chaina, you have to be, you know, outstanding. Any of them would have been the gadol, even if their last name was Goldberg. But just coincidentally, their names happened to be salvation, and just coincidentally, they were ben after ben after ben after ben. How did this happen? How does a person gain such siyat vishmaya to have such a legacy? Where did it start from? So it's brought, and I spoke to you of salvation yesterday just to confirm some of the details. So the Beisalevi's grandfather was a yid by the name of Ramesha Salavechik. And Ramesha Salavechik was a very, very wealthy individual. He was a multi-millionaire. He owned vast forests in Europe. That was like a major you know, sign of wealth, and you can make a lot of things, firewood and paper and all that stuff comes from trees. And so if you owned a lot of forests, you were very wealthy. Think of Dessler, his father was also very wealthy. He was in the, in the forest business as well. So, one day, this Ramesha Salavechik went from being such a big gvir, he lost everything. Like overnight, he lost everything. He went from being the richest guy in town to being the poorest guy in town, overnight. And he saw that there was something, you know, wrong with his, with his picture. How did such a thing happen? I must have, to have such a gizera against me, it must have been that I did something terrible. And so what he did was, he undertook to convene a best-in. He hired a best-in to go and to research and to analyze all of his activities, business, personal, religious, whatever it is. And I want the best-in to pass it on me. Why exactly in Shemayim they declared that I should lose my money? So best-in did a full scale investigation and they went and they mamish looked into the books and they checked everything and they passed him the following fact the reason why Ramesha Salavechik deserved to lose his wealth was because he was either Dibre Chachamin he says what, what, what was I either? try to be very Makbin on Dairaisa as well as Rabbanans says Chazal say when you're giving tzedakah, we know that you have to give meiser. If you want to be really from, you want to give more than meiser, you can give a chaymish. You can give 20%. Agav, I have a friend who, he didn't have children for many, many years, and he went, it was known that if you went to Chaim bin Chasheinberg and you gave him meiser, an annual check from your miser, whatever you wanted would be Niskayim. So he needed a baby. So he went to Chaim Pinchas when he was in America and he says, we need a baby. He said, no problem, give, give a check to Tara'ar and all will be good. So he didn't give miser. He gave a Chaimish. He took out a checkbook and he gave 20% of his income and he gave that to Chaim Pinchas Shandu. And within the year, he wasn't Zaych had a one baby, but he had twins. So you want to give, you give, you give a chaymish. He gave much more than a chaymish or Maisha Salavechit. He gave tons and tons and tons of stuff, more than a chaymish. 
And the Gemara says that you shouldn't give more than a chaymesh shama yitzdarachul acherim. Because if you give more than a chaymesh, you know, the, the point there is not to make you poor. You have to stay comfortable. You just give from your nefasim to other people. But if you give 90% of all your income to tzedakah, then you're going to need tzedakah, maybe, chaliyah. So you gave way too much, and that's why there's a psaq against you. And Reb Chaim Belajan, when he heard about this, he said, I don't like that. It doesn't, doesn't ring the... such a against the person because he gave so much tzedakah that he deserves to suffer. It doesn't, doesn't ring true to me. Something's wrong with it. But what happened was that over the course of time, now that he scaled back his business because Ramesha was... Um, you know, he didn't have a business anymore to run. So he started spending more time in the base Medrash. And he was learning at a good head, obviously, of the salvation. And he started spending more time in the base Medrash, and more time in the base Medrash. He went to Shiurim. He started giving Shiurim. He had Chaburus. He started giving Chaburus. And before long, he became like a, a very, very impressive Tamachacham in his own right. Not only was he giving Shiurim and learning and Shaiging, but he started impressing upon his children the importance of Tyra. And he was putting in everything into his children. He was mamish investing them with every Ramachei Baram and Shasad Everything is Tyra, Tyra, Tyra. Don't worry about money, money, money. It's not, it's overrated. Just sit and learn and everything will be good. And he taught his children how to learn, how to shtayg, and he in, infused them with Midas Tyvas and Musr and Hadracha and, and Hanhagas. And then he was Zaychet to have wonderful children, and those children themselves had wonderful children, and they had the Beis Halevi, the Beis Halevi had Reb Chaim, Reb Chaim had the Briskarav, the Briskarav had, had Reb Bero, the Chahena, and the other, I don't mean to leave out the other branches of the Mishpacha, the Briskarav's brother was Reb Meisha Salvechik, Reb Meisha had Reb Yashaber Salvechik, Reb Aaron Salvechik, Reb Aaron Salvechik had Arabah Salvechik. All because of what? Of a tzara. It's mamish the base halevi's vart on be'az chatasim be'az ani aimer shira. He was exhibit A of this base halevi because of his grandfather's tzara, because of the terrible mapol that his grandfather. Everybody was like you know shaking their head and saying how. How could such a thing be? Where is the rachmanis of the rebbeinu? He gave too much tzedakah, and for that he has to suffer. It doesn't make sense. Ultimately, we were zaychet to the shira of Ramesha Salavachik because of the Oz, because of the tsara that he went through. Klai Yisrael became the beneficiary. That's the way the Rabbi Yisrael works. He works in mysterious ways. Sometimes things are so bad and we are so uncomfortable in our situation, we don't understand it. And we are kindness the Lord to the Rabbi Yisrael. How can you do this to me? Why me? Why no? Nobody else. Everybody else has this, and they're getting married, and they're having babies, and they're having Yeshuas, and they're having jobs, and they're getting into the schools of their choice. And me, I'm like stuck. Nothing's going for me. All I have is Sarah upon Sarah, nothing. My Shidduchim are not going. Having kids are not going. Parnas is not going. Everything is bad, and I don't get it. And I'm mad. The Isaida Isaidas and Yadus is that you have to be in Elam sometimes, and all the time. As hard as it is, and sometimes it's really humanly impossible to not have a taina. But we have to be more patient 
than boisterous. We could scream all we want, but ultimately we have to understand that the Rabbeinu Shalom is Hashem. We might see Elikim all over the place, but it's Hashem. And if we don't see it today, because it's a tzara, be patient. And with the more patience that we have, we'll see, hopefully, with our own eyes. Sometimes it takes generations to appreciate it, but sometimes we see it in our own lifetime, sometimes very quickly. Exactly how, had this happened, it would have been terrible. The thing that I was complaining to the Rabbi Yishon about was so bad that you, you know, how could you, how could that girl say no to me? I was, I really, you know, thought she was my cowra and then she dumped me. And then, you know, it seemed like the worst thing in the world and then a couple of months later you read to a girl and she's like from and she's nice and she's sweet and she's happy and she is asking to marry you and you say to the Rabbi Yishon, you know, thank God that that should have didn't work because I see now that she was awful for me. I like things about her that I shouldn't have been liking. But this girl is really, that's Hashkafa. And it's not just like this in Shidochem, it's like this with everything. 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 That's the Milo of the Ovis. Va'era Avram is Safi Tevis Elaine. The Ovis have the Milo of never being Mahara, whether it's something that was an act of God, whether it's something that other people were doing to them. Hakarishparaku, you're right. I'm patient. I love you, you're Hashem. I'm a Kabbalah, whatever you say, I don't need to know anything. You do it, it's fine. Whether it's you're doing it directly to me, whether you're doing it through emissaries, through intermediaries, I'm the Kabbalah, everything that you do, Ba'avah. And I'm going to sing Shira ultimately, not just on Yeshua, but I'm going to sing Shira even on the Tzara. Because the Tzara itself is the way that the seeds are able to decompose before ultimately forming a beautiful flower, a beautiful tree, a beautiful growth that for shame will see Ferris. This is a tremendous site. It's one of the, you know, the Ikrim in Yadus. To be able to be Makabal on ourselves, Ba'ava the Ratz and Hashem, to be able to say not only that called David Rahman Latabavid, but even Gamzul Taiva, to see the Yad Hashem in everything. Whether it seems to be something that other people are doing to us, God has nothing to do with this, it's other people taking from it. It's always from the Rabbi Nishayim. And we have to be Makabula, we have to see, we have to be in Elaim. And Mitzah Hashem, we should all be Zaychat Yeshua, Yisvin Have a wonderful Shabbos.